This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kent, Texas. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 9th, episode 2473. Today's show is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. What is your favorite day of the week? stop learning you never stop understanding it's more in depth than just riding a horse exciting knowing that for the rest of my life i could work on this and, and i'll never stop learning yay welcome back second thursday of every month Mary Kitzmiller and I get together and geek out on all things horse and human training when it comes to horses. Uh, what you been up to, girlfriend? Uh, trying not to roast to death. And, um, <laughs> as as we record this show, you noticed it was July. Yes. Yeah. It's very hot. Very hot in Texas right now. But we've gotten a lot of rain. I'm so excited because my pastures are green and beautiful. And... Uh, so, and other than that, just getting my horses once again bomb-proof to World War III or um, 4th of July because uh, in my neighborhood, they don't do it small time. They buy probably $24,000 worth of fireworks per household. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. It was a little bit on July 4th this year because of uh, the COVID lockdown. And if you're listening to this show in July of 2025, just go Google COVID-19 and you'll know, understand what we're talking about. The uh, It sounded like the first day of white-tailed deer season in central Pennsylvania. That's <laughs> what it sounded oh, like wow. around here. <laughs> and very lucky for us because we have a dry, a shooting range on the property and we also have a gun club uh, a couple of miles down the road. Our horses are used to concussive sounds. It's part of their daily existence. So that didn't send them off. It bothered us way more. We we were awake all night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have anxiety for my horse's sake. Oh. But they're fine. You have empathetic um, anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're totally, because even when it's not the 4th of July, around here, one of the favorite pastimes is blowing up tannerite in an abandoned fridge. And it sounds, every once in a while, you'll just hear boom. And it's like, okay, someone's having fun. Yeah. Uh, so my horse is really broke to that. Yeah. Oh, golly. <sighs> and, but, but we all, we made it through. We are past the 4th of July now. We can all take a deep breath and, and move on with whatever's next in our horse training regimen, regime, bucket list. So every month you come up with a training tip, which is inspired by something interesting that happens in your life. So what is it this time? Um, this time it's, it's a very simple training tip and it's something that you would think, oh yeah, duh. But I, I think people need to be, I think we all need to be reminded of this from time to time. And it's simply, you know, when you're, when you're working with your horse, start thinking a little bit more like a scientist. So 
Like whatever method you're trying, whatever program you're in, whatever you're doing in your training session, you know, think about what happened in that session um, and think about what resulted. Did it, did whatever you were doing with your horse work? Did he get better? Did he get worse? Did he stay the same? And um, that's of course going to inform you on what you're going to do tomorrow. And I tell you what, there have been some times when I've gone out and worked with my horse and I thought, man, killed it, nailed it. We did awesome. I tried, you know, maybe a different technique. I was really excited about it. But then the next day, um, my horse is worse than he was the day before. Oh no. Yeah. So no matter how great I felt about the session, that clearly tells me, okay, you know, something is out of whack here. Um, and I see this actually happen with punishment, um, more than anything else. So when I talk about punishment, um, you know, say your horse has an annoying habit, like he paws at the barn door, um, or he paws when he's tied up or, or, you know, something like that. And I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen when their horse does an annoying habit like that, whether they're pawing or calling out to their friends and they yell at him and they go, stop it. And, uh, and then the next day they come out and the horse is still doing it and they yell at him again and the next day the horse is still doing it and they yell at him again so no matter how fearsome you think you are (laughs) and you're really teaching your horse a lesson if he continues to do the behavior what you've done is not working so you've got to come up with a new plan um and you know it's been the opposite sometimes i've come out and thought oh man that didn't go well uh you know, I didn't, I didn't do something right. It, you know, we just had a really bad session, but then the next day I come out, my horse is actually doing quite good. <laughs> so there you go. like, well, something I did stuck. Yeah. Um, but you know, and, and the key to this is also consistency. If you do something once, that doesn't mean it's going to stick. You've got to continue, continually go out there and, tr- you know, um, and, and be consistent and look at what happens over time uh, when you when you work on something with your horse. Um, because I, I see a lot of times people get stuck in the rut in a rut where the horse does the same thing every single day and nothing changes. He doesn't get any better. So that clearly tells you you've got to figure out, okay, why is my horse doing this? What's wrong? What do I need to adjust? And sometimes it's an experiment. Sometimes I know exactly, oh, I really need to try this. And sometimes I have no idea and I just have to experiment. Um, so it's just like a scientific process. You need to you need to think about, okay, did this work? Did this not work? Is my horse better? Did he understand the lesson? Um, what do I need to change? Yeah. So that's interesting. That that brings up two questions for me, for for you. First of all, the second question is going to disappear the minute I ask the first one. I can tell already. Do you keep a journal of any sort? You keep, you work with a lot of different horses and donkeys and mules and cows and goats, and you do work with a lot of different animals. Do you keep any kind of a journal or a record or a, anything like that 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 helps you look back and go, oh well, a week and a half ago such and such happened or anything like that? You know that would be very smart. Uh, on my <laughs> part. Um, but the way my brain works, and I've tried this, I've had little organizer notebooks and dry erase 
boards and all of this stuff. And I, for some reason, just the, my style of how I work and the way my brain works, it just never sticks for me. Um, so it's, it's really just a mental catalog in my head, um, of what I'm doing. The only time that's ever been a problem for me is when I'm, I've been in barns where I'm riding 18 horses a day. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes I've I've gotten on a horse before and was riding him around. I'm like, well, gosh, you should know this. Why aren't you figuring this out? And then I had to I had a brain fart. And I'm like, oh no, wait, you're a two year old. This is your tenth ride. This is a different horse. Yeah, I was on a three year old with three hundred rides. Whoops. And I had to apologize. Like, sorry, buddy, you had no idea how to do a lead change. So that's been the only time. And that was when I was like working on four hours of sleep a night. And uh, I was fueled by Red Bull and riding a million horses a day. And Yeah, probably not an oh. ideal, ideal, ideal yeah. mental situation for you or horse, horse or human. Yeah. 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 Yes. I'm just the opposite. I have to write it down because it, it all turns into mush. Was that last week, yesterday that happened? You know, oh, I have to write it down. Yeah, and I do recommend writing it down. That's always a good way to go. Yeah. Now, the other question, and I, which I wrote down while you were answering that one, because I knew I'd forget it if I didn't. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I have discovered uh, is that oftentimes you you're, you do have a ride, and you get done with your ride, and you go, oh, success. A, B, and C really worked well, awesome, perfect, making progress, etc., you go back next day, next week, next ride. Wow. Didn't work as well as I thought. Didn't remember it. And you, you have disappointment, whereas previously you had success on a given topic. And oftentimes it was because the success I had on the first time, the first day, the success wasn't the reason I thought it was successful. I thought I had success because I... Uh, I used more inside leg and I spent an extra 20 minutes at the walk when in fact I had more success because the weather was hot, the horse was tired and his best friend was in the arena. So he was focused. Yeah. Or in the case of a mare yesterday, she wasn't in season and today she is. Yes. Um. <laughs> Which is why I write it down and I, I write down stupid yeah. little stuff because what the reason I think it went well might not be. So I'll write down things like what the weather was like, what the, sur the surroundings were like, what my mood was like. Was I in a massive hurry? Because from my point of view, that helps me look back and go, oh, that's what was different. And for some horses, like you said, mares, that is huge. The atmosphere or the geography or the location they're in is huge when it comes to how well they are able to mentally participate in a training session. Yeah. And, and I should note that you just because day one was perfect. Day two, not perfect. It, that I don't want people to think, well, I've got to abandon it. I've got to abandon my plan every day. You can observe results over time and that's going to give you more consistent results. And it's going to kind of help eliminate the outliers of, well, my horse did really learn, but today there was a mountain lion in the woods I didn't know about and that made him really nutty. So you can, you know, you can, you can keep working on the same routine over the course of a few days, a week, a couple of weeks and, and see, you know, okay, is, is 
the trend going upward, it, you know, we had a right. few little off yeah. days in there, but he's he's continually getting better every day compared to where he was last week. See, so, you know, you don't have to completely wipe the board clean just because something's a little off today. You can observe it over time. And right. and again, that'll that'll help, you know, uh uh accommodate any anomalies that you're experiencing. Um but if you find yourself where I do the same thing every day over and over and over again, and my horse is either completely flatlining in his progress, like he's not going anywhere, or he's getting worse, okay, what do I need to do? And I think in today's atmosphere of this incredible time we're living in where we have mobile learning and um, you can get DVDs and online training programs and everyone's got a YouTube channel um, – I think we tend to subscribe too much to one program. And just because famous trainer says, well, this is how I do it. We tend to think, oh, I can't do it any other way. And I can't deviate from what famous trainer told me to do. Um, You know, it's good in the beginning to pick one program and go with it. But even the guys who, who sell these programs, they're constantly changing and adjusting um, and editing what they're doing. And uh, one one guy in particular, Chris Cox, uh, I saw him at a demo many, many years ago. And he said something. Um, he said, if you see me at this expo next year and I'm still doing the same thing, I'm not worth my salt because that means I've not learned, I've not progressed, I've not changed anything. So even those guys are continually observing what their horses are doing, finding what works, finding what doesn't work, editing their program, learning new insights, and they're going to other people to get help as well, whether they admit it or not. If they're any good, they will admit it. Um, So, you know, don't be afraid to deviate for the sake of your horse. Yeah. And it's a fine balance because I come across a lot of people who do the former rather than the latter. They, they take too much stuff and mix it together. So instead of ending up with a delicious tossed salad, they end up with this crazy conglomeration that does nothing but confuse the horse. And then they go, well, I'm not making progress and I'm using method A, B, C, and D. Well, that's because you are using method A, B, C, and D and you're not using them right. You don't put, uh, baby arugula in with spaghetti sauce and get a salad. (laughs) Okay. So you have to, you have to, you have to understand the science behind any given method. And that's, we're going to fold back to the start of this whole conversation. You have to think like a scientist, take the time to learn and understand the science behind any given training method because learning for a mammal is learning for a mammal. I can't address birds and amphibians because I don't know anything about that. So the science of learning applies across the board and depending on how intelligent the animal is, it's going to fall within kind of a bell curve. But we know a lot about how horses learn. If you understand the science behind that, then applying whatever method, whether it's one or multiples, is going to be much, much more successful because then you're not going to have them conflicting. So if you're using positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement, the two might clash. 
right? If you you know the, the oh, whole yeah. po- the whole positive positive punishment, negative reinforcement kind of a thing. If you understand those basic concepts really well, then you're not going to accidentally take some ingredients from one training technique or system and another training system and have them clash because you can. You really can confuse your horse by mixing things inappropriately. Yeah, you know, and it it, it is a balance because like in my own life, I started out when I started out doing the professional thing, like this is what I'm going to do with my life. Um, I followed one program religiously for a number of years. And as much as I don't use that program today, and as much as I disagree with a lot of elements of that program today, in a way, it was still good to have something that I was consistent at um, because it did give me a foundation and and the confidence to be able to experiment a little bit. So, so on one hand, it is very good to say, I'm, I really like this program. I'm going to really listen to this person. I'm going to stick with it. And I think for most people in the beginning, that's what you need to do is... You have to have you a know, starting find, point. Yeah. Yes. But at, at a certain point, and this is exactly what I went through, after three or four years of this is what I'm doing. I will not deviate from the plane for anything. The horse will fit my program. (laughs) Um, uh, I really had to like tell myself, okay, you know, you've got a good foundation. It's time to find what works for you. And it's okay to look in other places. And that's what I did for the next several years. And some things were a rabbit hole that didn't really go anywhere. And, you know, I tried it. I'm like, ah, this didn't really work for me. And then some things just went right, right with the foundation that I had um, and, and started working out. And that, that's what we're all doing any given day. And I think, again, back to the, the, you know, original training tip uh, is the horse is going to tell you whether you're doing it right or wrong. And and I have to go into a, a really quick story. Um, I uh, I was working for a reigning trainer and we had this uh, stallion, this three-year-old stallion who should not have been a stallion, but all of the owners like to keep their horses stallions, you know, in this game because he might be the next wimpy's little step or whatever. Uh, but he was extremely obnoxious and just screamed and pawed and just extremely, extremely steady. And, um, anytime I'd lead him anywhere, he would just scream at every horse that he saw, or even a tree that looked like a horse. He just would constantly (laughs) holler. He was just vocal. (laughs) Yeah. And so I wanted him to stop that. So what I would do every time he opened his mouth, I would aggressively back him up for like. 30 feet a mile, you know, like get back. You need to listen to me. I'm the alpha. Don't scream at other horses. And I thought I was very effective. Um, but every day we came back out and they scream again. He had no care in the world about getting back. Well then, um, one day we were actually at a show and I had to lead him up to the arena every morning. And our barn was like the back barn at this huge show. So I had to walk him down this road and we would pass all these horses and mares and stuff. And he would just scream every two feet. So I'd back him up again. Well, then one day I was walking him toward the arena and he screamed. And before I could do anything, he flew backwards a hundred feet and ripped me off of my feet. So not only did I, what I do was not effective. It did not stop the behavior, obviously, 
But I then taught this horse to pretty much scream and run backwards. So (laughs) that that told me finally it got through my thick skull like maybe this isn't working. So you got to find something. You got to you got to find a different way to do it because, you know, I felt I was being very effective and very like, you know, dominant. And I was teaching him a lesson. Obviously not, because what I did was not deterring enough to make him stop. So, you know, it took me a while before I was like, well, maybe I should try something else. Um, so that that's a very obvious example of clearly what I did wasn't working. And I have go. to change. There we go. Yeah, that's in, that's very interesting. And I've, I'm sure we have all, regardless of whether you've ha- been working with horses professionally for 30 years or you've you have just gotten your first leased horse six months ago. We've all gone through that process of you think you're teaching the horse some A when in fact you were teaching the horse B. Exactly. <laughs> you were teaching him to back up when he screamed. That's what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. It was a really interesting trick that I taught him. Not very convenient. Kind of useful use not really useful in the real world, but hey. <laughs> Yeah, it was just uh, it was an interesting thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, we're going to get to our listener questions in just a second. But first, we need to hear from our title sponsor, Horseware. Horseware distributes this really cool product called Ice Vibe. We are in the middle of summer. Everybody's getting back on their horses. Competitions are happening again. We need to know about Ice Vibe because it's way more than just ice cubes. In the world of horse racing and elite equestrian sports, it's all about how to prepare and repair. IceVibe is a truly portable and highly efficient circulation therapy system for your horse. Before activity, prepare to prevent damage by using the IceVibe's vibration pads. Repair after the event by using the unique combination of cold packs and vibration to minimize swelling and encourage blood flow. And because it's battery powered, IceVibe is truly portable. The essential and affordable tool to prepare and repair. IceVibe. You can find out more details about Ice Vibe at ice-vibe.com or horseware.com. Or ask your local tax shop or online supplier for more information about Ice Vibe Circulation Therapy from Horseware. And what's our first question and who's it from today, Mary? Man, we got some really, really good ones. Um, So our first one is Charlotte Merle Smith. And she asks, um, is there a difference between between desensitizing to change or accepting of change. My new horse has been great, but she's very aware of her surroundings. She is a solid citizen, but the minute something has changed at home, she gets spooky. But then off property at like a show, she's very workwoman-like. How do I get her to desensitize to accept change? So really, really interesting thought process. And desensitizing is something that... uh, Really, this this idea, this term, this method came about, uh, it really exploded with the whole natural horsemanship revolution that we experienced, you know, starting in the 70s, really. And, but, you know, it had its renaissance in, in the 90s and early 2000s. And, and so we had trainers telling us, okay, you need to flap this bag 400 times in order to get your horse desensitized to it. And there's, there's a lot of good in that. There's a lot of ways in, uh, that that helps your horse get used to plastic bags and stuff and such. And I'm not opposed to sacking out This is another term for desensitizing. Um, and I do it in, in my program, but over the last 
decade, I really had a change in how I think about it and how I apply it. Um, because I think desensitizing for one, it can be done to the point of where you are not getting the horse to really accept something. You're getting what's called learned helplessness. And this is what happens when you flood your horse with, um, with a stimulus. So like by flooding, I mean, rapid fire succession, I'm going to flap this bag in your face 400 million times every day. Um, and so that horse he you're doing something scary to him he cannot get away um so what he does is he goes on screensaver i'm just gonna (laughs) shut all systems down yeah he 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 doesn't um you know he unless he's inclined to be quite violent and like jump over a fence half kill himself to get away which some horses that will happen um but if he thinks about it and he goes i can't get away from this dang bag I have, you know, I can't run. Um, I'm too nice to fight. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill my person, even though I think I might, I might want to. You know, <laughs> um, he goes, I'm just gonna turn off all the systems, shut everything down, and just take it. And so we often don't see that that he's just turned everything off. He's no longer learning. He's no longer accepting things. He's just surviving. Like I'm just gonna deal with this dang bag. And get through it. So we think, oh, look at him. He's standing still. His eyes are closed. He's accepting the bag. But then the next day, a bag blows across the arena or we get the bag out again. And he goes, ah, and we're like, you dumb horse. I spent four hours desensitizing you to that bag yesterday. You should be fine. Um, What happened is your horse wasn't really learning. He was just surviving. Um, so there is a balance. I really, I believe in letting a horse see something scary, repeating, you know, exposure to it and desensitizing in that way. But it's very easy to fall into learned helplessness, even without realizing it. And this is something that is really hotly debated in, in a lot of, um, training circles. How much is too much? Is it right to flag your horse and sack your horse out? Are you really getting anything done? Um, so what I have started to do to um, to try to counteract that and get my horse to, you know, be present and ex- and learn to accept it is um, first, I try not I try to avoid flooding. I try to avoid I'm just going to flap this thing on you until you don't move anymore. Um, and I try to look for a change in my horse. Other than while you're not moving, because again, you, you might not realize it because it it doesn't, it looks really peaceful when they do this, your horse might just be turned off and, you know, just, you could blow a bomb off next to them at this point. And they're like, I don't care. I'm on screensaver. Um, so I try to, I try when I, when I introduce my horse to a flag or, or a rope or something new and different, I try to look for a response in my horse that shows me he's accepting rather than just ignoring. So before what I used to do is I'd get the scary thing out and I would move it around until my horse's feet stopped moving. Um, now what I try to do is, as I really lessen the intensity of how I introduce new things, but I try to look for a sign of relaxation. And one of the things I, I look for the most is lowering uh, a horse's head. 
So I will, I will continue to just kind of use rhythmic um, movement with whatever the thing is, whatever the scary thing is. And I wait until they lower their head. Um, now at first when they do this, it might just be, I'm just going to lower my head to get you to stop. Um, and that's okay. I will accept that. Um, but after a while, something about a horse lowering its head, um, they, it actually creates relaxation in a horse. I don't know what process this is, but I've seen horses just, you know, they'll start lowering their head and lowering it lower, lower, lower. I can actually get them to, to the point of laying down doing this. Um, but they'll start doing other things. And so I will accept the, I will accept other things as well. And one, you know, some of the other things that I'll look for that tells me, okay, he's, he's, he's accepting is, does he take a, a, a nice deep breath? He lets out a lot of air and just <sighs> blows out. Or if he, um, cocks a hind leg now, not cock a hind leg, like he's getting ready to aim and fire, but oh, I'm just going to relax my hips here and, and cock a hind leg, um, licking and chewing. Um, sometimes they'll lower their head all the way to the ground and kind of start digging in the dirt and kind of creating, looking like they're grazing a little bit. I like that. Um, it's okay to me if they move their feet. I used to be very adamant about don't move your feet at all when I'm throwing this bag all over the place. I am totally fine with them moving their feet. I just, I just make sure I keep their nose face toward me. So if they kind of, you know, walk around a little bit, I let that happen within reason. But I look for things that my horse is, you know, aware of the surroundings and he's participating. Um, I'm much less intense when I introduce new things. I try to avoid flooding. I think those are some good tips to to not overdo and get your horse to the point of shutting down and some, some signs that maybe you need to adjust how you're desensitizing your horse is, um, if like I had one horse that I was trying to get to cross a tarp and I would make him cross the tarp hundreds of times, but then the next day he acted like he'd never seen a tarp before. So that's a sign. If they act like we haven't done this before, Okay, maybe I need to change how I'm doing it. Or like if the tarp moved or I used a different color tarp um, or it's a different time of day. So the light is hitting the tarp differently. If all of these things just completely change how he reacts to it, then what he's doing, he's not really learning. He's not accepting. If he's going over the tarp, it's just because he finally said, fine, I'm just going to do it. Because going over the scary tarp was less scary than being put under pressure to go over the tarp. So you, you put him under a lot of pressure. You will go under the tarp. He yes. goes, Oh my God, you're, you're scarier than the tarp is. I'm going over the tarp. When in fact, what you're trying to have happen is the horse go, Oh, it's a tarp. Okay. That's what, yes. that's the mental reaction. I, that's very interesting. You came to that. You, you came around to that because I can totally see that being the case because the horse I have right now, Nigel, went through a very similar process in that he would go past things, but he would only go past things because if he didn't, if he tried to spook or something like that, he would get hit with a crop. He'd get hit with spurs. He would get mm-hmm. jammed up into the bridle and he would get forced past it. And he wasn't allowed to look at it because it was scary, you know, and you would get past it. And you see this very commonly with show horses. Yes. They're not allowed. They're not allowed to spook at things. Because, I'm sorry, spooking at things is bad. People get dumped things go go badly. 
and we don't take the time to allow them to gain sufficient self-confidence to go, oh, that's something novel in my life. I don't need to be afraid to it. Because that takes some time, and it's time then that you can't be teaching the horse to do flying changes or jump oxers, right? Or do sliding stops. So that's a very, very common behavior pattern you see in show horses. So taking the time to, and I think you you hit on it a while back on, I saw on your website, the, 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 did you call it a seeking gene? Teach the horse that, Novel things in their surroundings are not automatically scary because you let them investigate and learn at their own time where you you hit on that at the very beginning of this. Less intensity. You don't need to get over this right now. But golly, if you'd walk over there close enough that you put your ears up and your eyes got big and then hang out with me for three or four minutes and then we'll walk away from it, that's great. You do that, you're probably going to make more progress than spending 20 minutes pressuring them towards the thing they don't like. Yeah. And if you think about it, you you know, I was at a clinic once, uh, Co uh, teaching with another trainer, and this one woman had brought a two year old that she'd started herself. She'd done a great job with it, um, but she was a very nervous rider. And um, and this two year old, it was one of its first trips to a new arena, and she was riding the horse by a sign, and the horse, the filly, she spooked at a sign, just you know, jumped a little bit to the side, nothing terrible and and this this rider kind of had a why i ought to attitude and started immediately turning the colt in several circles because unfortunately we do have trainers out there and i could slap them for this who are who take a, a good idea of make the right thing easy the wrong thing difficult and they they put that on steroids and they're like if you look at that tarp I'm going to make you rue the day you ever acted like a normal horse and was were afraid of something new. And, ru- you know, they run it in several circles, left, right, left, right, just ripping those horse's face left to right. And uh, my friend was good enough to call her out and say, listen, she's a young filly. She had an honest spook. You know, she that horse is not trying to one-up you. She's a baby, and she's scared. And it's normal and it's okay. And even with the most fearful horses, no matter, I might kick up a lot of clouds of dust trying to get a horse over something because they might be running running backwards, falling all over themselves. Um, It might get really intense. But even in those moments, I try to never treat it as punishment. I will do whatever I have to do to control the situation, keep my horse safe, keep me safe. But I will never, like hold that against the horse and say, you know, you are awful. I'm going to make you rue the day you ever looked at that. They were a prey animal. It's millions of years. I am never going to breed or train out of them. It happens. What I can do instead, think of it as, okay, you're going to get scared. You're a prey animal. You're going to want to run. I will never completely get that out of you. It's okay. Here's what you do instead. So if you're scared, what I'd like you to do is don't react. Don't move your feet. But I know there are times when you will need to move your feet and there's nothing I can do to talk you out of it. Here's how you do that. You you listen to me. You give to pressure. You stay with me. Um, we're just going to safely move our feet over here for a bit. Yes. Yeah. And and you, t- you show your horse, I'm going to help you through this if you're scared. Never, ever, ever treat it as I'm going to make you feel really bad for doing that. Ah, um, very interesting. Because 
Very yeah, interesting. because if you punish your horse for being scared, he was already in a heightened. Well, now sense. he now he's now you've just confirmed. See, because something yep. exceedingly unpleasant happened to me whenever I laid eyes on object A. Now, is he? He's not necessarily saying I laid eyes on object A, and then human on my back punished me. He is saying I laid eyes on object A, and I felt a lot of physical discomfort. And mental and stress. And yes. <laughs> bad things happen. And bad things happen. And I, again, this, I very rarely get to ride in the morning before the show comes on. And I did this morning. Directly applies to this. Walked out to the field to go for a ride. And there's a giant stack of fencing supplies because they're replacing the fencing. Well, the, the we got within 30 yards of that. The ears went up. The ni- nostrils flared. They was, uh-oh. So... I have to get past it, but I don't want to punish him. I have to find that middle ground of get past, but don't punish because that's all that's going to happen is make it worse. So, okay, you must go forward. Oh, I don't want to go forward because it's scary. If I push hard enough to force him to go forward, it's going to tip over into that punishment area. He's that bulked. But we also don't want to stand still because horses scared standing still. The next thing that happens is bolt not an option either okay then we're not going to walk straight towards that scary thing we're going to walk at a little bit of an angle so we don't really get much closer oh see we can do that we breathe a little bit now we're going to change direction and we're going to do the same thing and look out of the other eyeball uh okay it's not as scary you're really not making me get any closer okay now we're going to make a circle away from that scary object so you can see it out of both sides of the face again and we just did that for maybe maybe three minutes tops just kept walking without getting any closer to scary object for more than a couple of feet before we turned away again. But we only got closer to the point where I didn't feel his adrenaline go up any higher. You know, I didn't increase his mental stress. Three and a half minutes later, we walked past the scary thing because he didn't feel that pressure or punishment that he was going to associate with new object. Am I going to get punished? Am I going to be forced to get something close to something that I'm terrified of? You're allowed to be terrified. And it worked out fine. But, you know, that I what, what I initially wanted to do was just, oh, just kick and get past it. No, yes. take a deep breath. Be an adult, Jen. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a threshold. So if you think of, I've, I've heard it referred to like as a pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid is is the horse completely relaxed he's grazing he doesn't sense any threats um not a lot of learning typically happens there although i do do a lot of work there um but when when it comes to scary things i will push them to the point where they're above complete comfort but it's below panic flight fight fear. And in that area, I'll put I'll push them up to that area and let them live there for a little bit, like, "Oh, I've got the fl- I've got this flag out. You've never seen this before." And then I let them go back down to the bottom. Now, come back down here. Breathe. Lower your head. It's okay. And I'll go I'll go between those two bottom levels of that pyramid uh, uh, throughout the training session. At the apex of that pyramid, that is fight, flight, panic. At that point, the horse cannot learn. At that point, the horse is trying to live. He's trying to breathe. He's trying to survive. He cannot learn. You never want to get them there. Sometimes it happens. 
it's you know it's okay if 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 it happens and in that point you're employing emergency i just want to make sure i can hold on to you or stay on you uh, long enough to get off um but you'd never want to consistently train there the horse can't learn he's just trying to survive um and i tell you what when i used to desensitize horses try to get them to cross obstacles i thought I have to walk across this tarp 400 times today in order to really get this in his brain. Those were the instances where I'd have the horse come out the next day and act like they'd never seen a tarp. Now, when I train a horse to go over a tarp, I've been in colt starting competitions where I might have gotten that horse to cross one obstacle. And then when it came time for him to go over the course, he did the whole course like we'd been practicing it all weekend. And it's because of where I had him mentally. Yeah, um, you, you got him through it at the right mental spot. So yeah. he, and that's another a question that that somebody else asked about generalizing. He was able to generalize in that. Okay, when something intimidating and novel comes up, I can trust that human to get me through it. Versus when a tarp comes up, I have to go over it because of the human. It's a two different conclusions. And uh, go ahead and pick out your next question. I'm gonna have one more quick thing for Charlotte's question because it's a great question. There, um, something that one of the other hosts here on the Horse Radio Network does Helena B who used to be on the stable scoop show and now has her own show called stall and stable. She has an OTTB as well, who is apt to have a, Oh my God spook when she sees something new in the paddock or the pasture or the arena. So Helena being a clever gal that she is every single day, she finds something novel that she can put somewhere in that horse's paddock, pasture or arena where the horse is going to come across it without any human influence. It's Ooh, going to be lovely. a giant stuffed toy, a muck tub where it normally isn't, a piece of a tree, a car, anything, as long as she can move it. And it's just there. It's completely, it, it doesn't interact with her in any way. And I thought, why didn't I think that a million years ago for a horse who has that tendencies, just something completely and utterly novel in a place it shouldn't be, every single day and the horse figures it out for herself and what I, it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out and i'm willing to bet that pretty soon that horse is going to go find the novel objects just to see what's going on it, it kind of ties into um alex curlin who's a, a really good clicker trainer um when she's introducing her horse to new things um she does kind of the same idea, but it's actually within the training session. So we tend to go, my horse is afraid of X. So I'm going to get X out and show it to him right away. And we're going to work on it for three hours. Um, but what she does is a little different. So if you've done any positive reinforcement training, you know about targeting. So you teach your horse to touch an object. When they touch the object, they hear a click, which means great job, and they get a treat. And you could teach them to target all sorts of scary things. Um, she plays a game called Touch the Goblins, and it's a game for the horse where, hey, look, there's a mailbox. Why don't you go touch it? And you have to... Do it within reason and make sure you have a good foundation with your horse. But the horse then goes down the trail and it's like, oh, mailbox. Cool. Oh, what's that over there? Picnic table. Let's go see. What I have one of those is. horses. <laughs> yes. And it's awesome. And he, so, he cannot walk past a trash bin. He can't. Um, but when, when, uh, when she's introducing this kind of thing, um, let's say, and I've done this with Mustangs, let's say um, it's the lead rope. You haven't really worked with the lead rope with your horse. Instead of 
intensifying on that lead rope and going to that first thing. She'll hang a bunch of things on the fence. Most of those things are completely non-threatening to the horse. The horse is used to them. He's, he doesn't have any fear. And the lead rope is mixed in with all that stuff hanging on the fence. And she'll go down the fence like, hey, touch this brush. Hey, touch this washcloth. Hey, touch this cool. spice bottle. Oh, there's a lead rope. Why don't we touch that too? Okay, let's go to the next thing. What a so great just, idea. I know, right? And doing it that way to where you're just like, Oh, this is just another cool thing that's part of our game rather than I'm going to take this lead rope out and like throw it at you 400 times. Um, I, I do do that a little bit, but but having it just kind of in I the mix that. of other non-threatening things is is pretty. It's a cool game. I love it. I huh, know, right? I got to go play that. Scooter's going to love that game. Oh, targeting is awesome. He's going to love it because he just he, he a loves to touch things and B loves to play games. <laughs> Well, that was great. See, Charlotte, thank you for asking the tough questions. That really got my gray matter yeah, warmed up today. Question. Yeah. Um, pick another one. Okay. So we actually have three or four questions that are very similar. Um, Stephanie, Stephanie Eileen is asking about fly sprays, working on it for a month. Horse is not having it. She said, we've tried the dually halter positive reinforcement. Now I just spray on a glove hand, uh, gloved hand and uh, wipe it on him um but when he sees the bottle he's all peace out mom and she has to try to hide it behind her back okay so uh one thing that sticks out in my mind about this question is we've tried the dually halter which is a monty roberts uh training tool and it's not worked the halter whatever halter you use whatever tool you're using it can help um make things better in your training, but it will not replace training. It's not going to all of a sudden make your horse behave. That's kind of like if I put on a pair of ballet slippers, I will not be able to dance Swan Lake <laughs> as much as I would love to try. The tool could help a trained dancer dance Swan Lake, but it's not going to, it's not going to help me be any better at it. Um, so, so, you know, halters like that and stuff, um, not against them in any way, but it, 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 it's not a miracle worker. It's not going to all of a sudden make your horse perfect. It's just going to help you. Some of those things are made to help help you communicate more clearly with your horse. Um, and then hiding it behind your back. As soon as you start acting like that, like, uh, you know, that's you're unfair. acting very suspicious to your horse. Not fair. You're acting more like a predator um, to that horse. Because look at, if you look uh, at nature shows and you look at, a tiger or lion sneaking up on gazelles. How's he walking? Real sneakily. Um, so those gazelles know, oh, heck, something is up. Um, at the watering hole, it's completely different because everyone's casual. It's kind of a truce they've made. But, but when that lion is in hunting mode, how is he walking? Slowly, quietly, very sneaky. So that horse, if he sees you hiding something and being very sneaky, he knows something bad is up and he is on high alert. Um, so you don't obviously want to throw the fly spray in his face and say, get over it. You don't <laughs> want to be sneaky either. So with fly spray, here's here's what I do with it. Um, 
it's always helpful to do it uh, like on a hot day after a workout when your horse is, he's like, I don't really want to move. And, oh, this cool mist is going to feel pretty comfortable. This is when I introduce my horses to the water hose. This is when I introduce them to things like fly spray. And I would recommend getting a bottle and putting uh, water in it because uh, some fly sprays yep. are very expensive. Well, and, and a lot of horses are averse to the scent more than the fly spray. The, not the mm-hmm. sp- it, it, There's ingredients. There's the sprayer. There's the feel of the sprayer. There's the sound of the sprayer. And then the smell of the stuff coming out. Let's eliminate, let's be scientific, eliminate different things and figure out which one your horse is averse to or which one's plural your horse is averse to. Really smart to start with the smell of the stuff. There you go. Yeah, well, and plus, if I want to get him used to fly spray, I might have to spray more than he needs to be repelled of flies. Yeah. So I don't want to use my like $37 (laughs) bottle of fly spray, and I'm going to end up spraying more of the air than the horse. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I introduce things like like this, don't do this when he's standing on a concrete in a concrete alleyway closed in and cross ties because he already feels trapped. He's already in a dangerous situation if he does panic. Um, and you, you just can't be thorough enough with it. So I like to do it after a workout, preferably when he's a little hot, he's a little tired. It'll feel nice to have the cool mist on him. Um, I would, you know, a dually halter is good, rope halter, whatever you want, a longish lead rope, and I do it in the middle of my arena. So it's safe. We've got safe footing. The horse has room to move. And I would just stand at his shoulder, and I just kind of spray the air beside him. And I just kind of do it really casually. And that might be all I do that first day. Cause sometimes I've done this with Mustangs and I know unless I really want to get into it with them, I'm not going to be able to spray them with fly spray today. So I just kind of, you know, walk them in the middle of the arena and I'll just spray off to the side a little bit. Now, does this first effort where you just hanging out in the middle of the arena, everybody's kind of chill and relaxed. We had a nice ride or a nice work. I'm going to spray off to the side away from my horse where he can see what I'm doing, but I'm, the spray is not going to touch him. He can hear um, does it. does yeah. that 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 falls into the category of not too? We're not going to be too intense about this. We're going to keep it kind of chill. Yes, okay. I want to again. I am going to make him feel uncomfortable. This will happen because it's a new thing. Um, so he will get out of his comfort zone. He'll probably want to move his feet a little bit, but I don't want to push him to the point of panic. So obviously, if I went up to him and sprayed him in the face while he's tied up. There's panic. That's breaking halters and lead ropes or, you know, is, is not good. So I, I, I find that threshold stay under it and I just find a starting point and I might spend a few days. Can I just spray off to the side? Okay, great. And then one of those sprays might just land gently over his top line. And, um, and I'll do that for a couple of days, you know, I can usually get this done in one session, but you can break it, you know, break it down every day. Just spend a minute with, you know, okay, now I'm going to spray this over your top line. Okay, now I'm going to spray this over your hip. Now I'm going to spray this up your neck. Now I'm going to spray your ne- legs. Now I'm going to spray your belly. Um, and and so almost every time I've introduced fly spray to a horse, I'm holding them in the middle of an open area in my hand. I don't just, you know, if they're tied up, I don't just say, hey, I'm going to spray with something weird because that'll that'll induce more panic. Um And so I just do that over time. And if you break it down into these little mini sessions, it doesn't become this big monstrous mess that you have to deal with. Um, But using water is helpful because I can just spray off to the side of them as many times as I want. And it's okay. I'm not really going to waste my precious fly spray. Yeah. Um, 
so that's that's probably where I would start um, with that is, you know, it's okay that they go out of their comfort zone a little bit, but you want to keep it from going into panic. And so you're at, you're at this balance between being too sneaky and trying not to have anything bad happen, which is more suspicious than scary for your horse, and being too um, belligerent and just like stomping up to him and holding him and saying, you will stand for this. Um, there's, there's a happy medium there. Yeah. And again, this is something that I've started to realize. Each horse indicates how where his stress level is slightly differently and some horses are very overt when you're working with mustangs a lot of times it's very overt because they've not been trained to not to <laughs> you know it's like oh yep i can tell he's scared the eyes are giant like saucers and he's out of here um whereas yeah. a lot of a lot of horses have learned to be very very intimidated by something and do the shutdown where they just they're still because they don't want to be punished and perhaps looking very carefully for his that individual horse's indicators of this is freaking me out and recognizing those a little bit sooner because he might be further over threshold about the whole sprayer things than she thinks she he is which is why I don't care if it's the brokest old cow pony ever if it's if it's a new horse to me and I have any doubt about are they okay with something like any training horse that I get in oh yeah you start at the basics don't you yeah I at least yeah and the first saddling because I've had some surprise me I've had fluffy who always never bucked in his whole life um Uh, I've I've saddled him and he acted like a wildcat and then I found out later oh yeah there was that time he almost killed my cousin it's like you should have told me that beforehand yeah. but uh, <laughs> so I with things like that I'm very careful about tying I, I will do a lot of things like picking out their feet in the middle of the arena with my hand on the lead rope that way if they panic it's okay if they move their feet. I can control the movement. We're not going to break halters or I'm not going to get smashed between the horse and a wall. I do a lot of things off of, out of the cross ties, you know, not tied up. And then even still, I use emergency. Um, I use these tie clips where the horse can pull slack if they get scared. It, um, you know, I'm very, very aware of that because I've seen it go very wrong. But a lot of times, even just the action of taking your horse off the wall, um, and out in the middle of the open, even just that act, he's like, oh, okay, I have room. I, I feel better about this now. And it becomes much easier. But if you've got him tied up, he's in a barn alley. Um, he feels really trapped and claustrophobic anyway. Now it's not going to be okay for him. And you yeah. can build to the point to where you can tie him and do all these things. But fi- find a starting point. Yeah, that's yeah. I like that. Start at, find a starting point. Well, we're going to take another quick break here hear about some Amigo Fly products and then we have time for exactly one more question. Another long, tough fly season is right around the corner and the only choice for this fly season are the Amigo range of fly sheets because they're built tough and feature the latest in design comfort, bug-busting technology and sun-protecting fabrics. And the Amigo range has a fly sheet for every budget. From the Amigo Bug Buster Vamoose with no fly zone 
to the Amigo Bug Rug Fly Sheet. Find Amigo Fly Sheets at your local or online retailer, or you can visit horseware.com. That's horseware, H-O-R-S-E-W-A-R-E.com. Alrighty, if you want to ask a question of Mary for her second Thursday of the month training spectacular, you need to become an auditor. And how do you become an auditor? You go to horseradionetwork.com or horsesinthemorning.com and you click on the auditor banner. I believe it's on the right-hand side of the page nowadays. And you get to be in the super secret, super fun auditors only Facebook page. And that's where we get our questions for the show. And what is going to be our final question for today? So I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of really into this desensitizing theme that we had show up in all our questions. I'm going to stay on that theme uh, from Kimberly Smiley. If horses cannot generalize, how do they learn? I was working with my gelding in an empty pipe corral with a tap with a tarp. Took it slowly over several days, getting him used to it, jumping over it, then finally walking over it. Took him every day. Took him there every day for a few minutes, walking over it. So he did not forget anything he learned, was feeling quite confident about him accepting it as not a monster. So I stopped bringing him there for four days. Then yesterday, took it out, put it in another area near the corral. It took him several minutes to not leap over it. So will every tarp be the same? Um, Same with plastic bags on the stick. She did a lot of work with the stick. Did this every day for over a week. And then after a couple days break, almost had to start over. Although this time it took slightly less time. Ah, that is something to make note of. He was still freaking out for a minute or so. I do not feel like he will be any better if he sees a plastic bag when we are out riding. So what I pick up from this question is that you are doing a good job with him. I think you're on the right track because even when he got worse after a few days break, it took him less time to get to the point of being okay so again if we're observing our results um you're still on the right track even with that setback hey Matt, a- yeah i think what she, good point there you have to look at it over a long couple of weeks isn't a very long period of time from the horse's point of view very yep. yeah i like that uh-huh so yeah so even though you worked on this every day for a week a couple of weeks if, especially if you're training a uh a young horse, that's a drop in the bucket. And that can be frustrating to hear. But, you know, like when I think of um, horses that I'm training a um, an advanced maneuver, let's say a reining spin. For me, I'd say it takes about 200 rides to get a decent reining spin. Like not complete finished top of the line, but to where it's dependable and that horse is consistent. 200 sessions that's 200 days of work um and some horses you show them the tarp they're like whatever where's my hay and it takes one session and they're they're pretty good you know they're just naturally like that but some horses it can take 200 sessions it can take six months um so so the good news here is when you know after he's had a break and he's come back to it and you're you what you're seeing is oh my god he's acting like he's never seen it we worked on this last week you should be better but what i'm seeing is yep he had a setback most likely because he had a break from that particular kind of training but it took less time for him to get right so you're still on the right track 
What it tells me is you need more consistency and it's going to take longer. I was listening to Buck Branneman at a clinic. He was talking about desensitizing a horse to bags and tarps and things like that. And he said he had one mare that would kick the flag out of his hand every day. And he, he said every day that that's how they would start is she would just, you know, I hate the bag. I'm going to kill you. And he just consistently worked on it every day. And he said it took him about six months, six months before this horse was okay. She got a little bit better every day, but she wasn't perfect, but he did it every single day for six months. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean you can only do the tarp every day and nothing else. But if I know my horse has a particular issue, I'm darn sure going to make sure I'm as consistent as I can possibly be. And we do something with that tarp every day that I can, even if it's just walking by it on the way back. Oh, um, yeah. I like yeah, that. Just finding different ways to do the same. There's a tarp there. Sometimes it's folded in a little in a little ball and you walk past it on your way to the arena. Sometimes you have to go over it and that's what we do today. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the same intensity every day because some days you just want to go on a trail ride. Um, I understand that. But I would make sure that stays in that horse's mind. And it might, it might, you know, be prepared if you act, again, if you act like you have all the time in the world, it won't take nearly as long um, than if you act like you only have five minutes to get something done. Um, so I would say you're on the right track. Keep going. But um, lower your expectations of what kind of time it's going to take. It takes the time it takes. And it is not uncommon for for a horse that might need months of training before they're okay with this. And then months more, maybe years more before, okay, we're fine with the tarp in the arena, but we're not okay with the tarp on the trail. Um, yeah. and then the I have a quick, I have of, a quick yeah. question on that, that topic. We're going to use this example where you have a horse who has a natural high aversion to the tarp. Are you better to, let the horse become completely and utterly desensitized to tarp. So what? Big deal. I can stand on the tarp. I can eat on the tarp. I can roll on the tarp. I can chew on the tarp in one place before you start to move it to different geographic locations. Or are you better to start moving it earlier on in the training process? And if so, at what point do you start to move it to different places? Good question. Um, I would say you can experiment with both and see what works. Um, typically, when you start a new behavior, you want everything to, you want very little variables so that you can make sure your horse understands it. And then you will proof that behavior. Okay, you were fine when we had the tarp in the middle of the arena. Now I'm going to put it closer to the rail today. So you'll, you'll test how well did you learn their lesson. And then, you know, so you'll start moving it after you've created a foundation. Um, but I've done it both ways. I tell you what my biggest secret that just like huge epiphany that taught me about tarp training um, to where I, I got my horse past this hump of, oh, it's a different color tarp. We're going to have to start all over or it's a tarp in the show pen. He's not going to learn. He's not going to retain anything he had at home or um you know, I had that's I had that problem where I, I desensitize the horse to the tarp over and over and over again, and then one change, it all falls apart. Um, I learned to not worry so much about the tarp or getting the horse to cross the tarp. I did worse when I would make that horse walk across that 
heart 400 times, then when I would get everything right in his mind and then say, now cross the tarp, and he would. And so what I've learned, and you'll hear a lot of trainers say this, but it did not get in my head till a few years ago, is control the feet. Don't, it doesn't mean dominate your horse and be the alpha. It means learn foot control. I get so good with foot control on the ground and under saddle that I can look at a horse's left front foot and almost without doing anything, I can have him pl- pick up that foot and place it anywhere I want it. And then maybe I'll look at the back right foot. Can I get that for- foot to come forward? Can I get that foot to go backwards? Can I get that foot to go sideways? And even I, I'll do this without even being anywhere near the tarp. And then what I, so another layer to that. So I get that horse's foot control very well. When I go to cross the tarp, I recently changed how I had my horses cross obstacles. This is very important. I do want to share this. As I used to say, I don't care where you cross, just get across. If you want to go around to the side to cross it, great. I changed that. I was very specific. I acted like that tarp was a bridge over a raging river, and you can only cross that a certain way. You need to enter here and exit here. And so... It's such a weird thing and you wouldn't think it relates to anything, but I found much better success with it. So I would get my horse to go to the tarp. And if he wanted to go off to the side, I would not make him cross the tarp. He does not have to cross the tarp. I tell him that you don't have to. But I will get everything that happens before the tarp. I will get that right. So if he goes off to the side, I will bring him back around and say, no, I want you to put your nose right here at this point at the start at the, you know, at the edge of that tarp. And it might take me 15 minutes to get that working. I might have to take him 50 feet away and say, let's work on your side passing and your backing. Let me get the foot control back so I can put your nose where I need to put it. And I work on that. And then I bring him back up to the tarp and I say, you don't have to cross, but I do want you to put yourself right here. So wherever that threshold is, we're maybe five feet back, we're maybe at the edge, but I want that horse in a specific spot and I don't care how long it takes me. I will get him there. Um, and I saw a change in the horse's mind when I started working on this. I could care less about the tarp. I care about where you're placing your feet. And if you're going off to the side, we need to fix that. If we have to go away for your more, to be more comfortable to work on it, we will, but then we're going to come back and I'm going to put you exactly where I want you. And so I might just sit there working on that forever, um, backing him up, moving him sideways forward, back until I could get his body exactly where I wanted him. And I tell you, what, what happens every single time now, it's crazy, it's like magic, is in this process of getting my horse exactly where I want him. And, just, and I'm casual about it. I'm just piddling with it. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. If it takes an hour, it takes an hour. If we have to do it way over 100 feet from the tarp, we will. Um, and I, I'm just playing with it. I'm just fiddling with it. Like, what can I do to get you to step one step to the left? Okay, now you're too far to the left. Let's go back to the right. Oh, you ran around to the edge. So I need to move your shoulders here and your hips here and get you right where I want you. When I got that working and that horse knew where, and every time he found the spot where I wanted him, I would release, I'd let him rest. Maybe I'd walk him away and go graze on grass and say, hey, you did it. Let's go take a break. Um, and then I'd go back to the tarp again. I'm all, I'm just working on the approach. I don't care that there's a tarp here. Don't worry about the tarp. Let's just worry about your feet. What happens every time I work on this is all of a sudden that horse will go and walk across the tarp. Like, and he won't jump and he won't spook. He just walks across it like butter. And uh, like it gives me goosebumps even talking about it. 
So the whole point of this tangent that I went off on is don't worry so much about the obstacle. Get get those feet working. Be calm about it. You don't have to be desperate about it. Get those feet good. Get the precision in that feet. Get them so good that you could put any foot where you want at any time. If you have 100% control of your horse's feet, you can put those feet anywhere you want. On a trailer, over a tarp, past a mailbox. Um, so in the process of working on getting that foot control so precise, all of a sudden the tarp is a non-issue. And I say, hey, can you just go forward? And a, a lot of times I don't ask them to go on the tarp. At some point they just kind of go, okay, and they walk across. It's the craziest thing. I can't completely <laughs> explain it. Well, perhaps, um, and this is a perhaps, you're working on the horse needs to put his feet here. He's not feeling pressured to go towards the tarp that's scary. He's feeling pressure to, you, I need to put my feet here. So he's also not looking at the tarp that as something that's causing him mental anguish. The tarp is just part of what's in the arena near him, right? Mm -hmm. Versus yep. I'm trying to make you feet put your feet here on your way towards the tarp. You're just saying, put your feet here, and the tarp just happens to be there. And I think that's a very interesting, very interesting. I like that. I'm going to see what other ways I can apply that same um, thought process of I'm controlling your feet and that's what I'm focused on, but it has this benefit that's over here. I like it. You get my gray matter all warmed up. That That's how I get my horses. That, that was the change for me to get them from, I desensitized you to this tarp for six hours yesterday, but today I got a green tarp out and now you're exploding. And it's also my secret weapon for horse shows. Uh, one of the things that frustrates the crap out of me every time I go to a show, someone walks their horse into the arena, they see a big red banner hanging on the side, and they go, oh, I know my horse is going to spook on that at that. So they walk their unwarmed up horse beeline to the banner, and they start flapping the banner on the wall, which I hate. Which freaks out every like, other horse in the arena. <laughs> yes. And... The wind is not, we're inside. The wind is not going to catch that banner. Why did you just create an issue your horse didn't even know was going to happen? Um, but, and then, so they'll do that for like three hours. And then in the in the class, the horse spooks at the red banner. It doesn't matter how many times you flap the tarp. Your horse wasn't right in the mind. And that's why he spooked at it. When um, I learned from one of the reigning trainers I worked for, um, he was an aggressive, very exacting trainer. He demanded excellence from his horses because he was at the top level. And even this guy, who you would think would be a pretty unforgiving trainer, he's got top-level athlete horses that are supposed to like perform on cue um, for their millionaire own owners. This guy, when he goes to a show, the first ride is it's it's not it's it's not a training ride it is he lets their head up he lets them look he just walks them around he trots them around we're not going to get into training i'm going to make sure you're listening and you're not doing anything silly but that first ride he just lets the horse take it in and he does not drill on them um and that makes all the difference in the world and when i go into the arena and i see the scary red banner and maybe i know my horse has a phobia of scary red banners specifically red banners i am not gonna run to that banner and start like getting in my horse's business because that's the first exposure he has in the arena is me taking him to the scariest thing he can think of and saying get over it right now um no i will 
I will take him 20 feet off the rail if I have to. I will find the threshold where I know he's going to be safe. He's going to be okay. And I will I will just ride him around. And if he looks at the tarp, I'm going to look ahead and say, hey, yeah, there's a tarp there. But we need to ride to this corner right now. Go where my eyes are telling you to go. And, you know, then over time I might go 19 feet off the arena when we pass the tarp but i'm still working on my ride i'm telling him you need to go forward at a trot get on the bit a little bit yeah there's a red banner don't worry about it we're far away from it and then every time i i circle the ring okay now we're 15 feet off and you know i just go closer and closer i keep him under that threshold where i know he'll react but i i challenge him to get braver every time then by the end of the ride when he's hot and sweaty and tired Usually I can ride right up to that tarp. I won't address the tarp. I won't look at it. I'll just say, oh, this happens to be where we're stopping. And that's where I'll dismount and loosen the girth. I'm like, oh, man, so nice by this red tarp here. <laughs> it's like having like, a two-year-old this? around it. It's like a little exactly. kid. Pure <laughs> psychology. Pure psychology. There you go. Well, if you love listening to... Mary Kitts Miller geek out on all horse, all things training, you can tune into her the second Thursday of every month. If you want to find out about more about what... Mary Kitzmiller is up to in her horse training as well as artistic life. Where can people do that? I have two pages for the horse stuff. You can find me, uh, Mary Kitzmiller Horsemanship on Facebook. Um, and then we do a lot of cool artwork and jewelry um, on Troublemaker Trading Company, also on Facebook and Instagram. There we go. And you can find links to today's guests. Well, hosts at horsesinthemorning.com. If you can't remember those those pages, we have the links at horsesinthemorning.com, the episode for July 9th, 2020. You can follow us on Facebook, just search for Horses in the Morning, or you can go to Mary Kitzmiller Training and follow Mary. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Horse Radio. Are you on Twitter? Uh, no. No, you're not a Twitter? I'm okay I can, with that. I can only do so many social media things yeah. before my brain explodes. Yeah, I get it. You can have all the shows with you wherever you go. Download the Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. It works for both. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network, or you can subscribe via your favorite podcatcher, including iTunes. Thank you very much for the Horseware, Ice Vibe, and Amigo Fly Sheets for sponsoring today's show. And Mary, we will see you next month, and we will see the rest of y'all tomorrow. <laughs>